This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where right now there's some incredible specials, especially for those of us who like halibut. They have fillets for $5 off a pound. Um, and also something I enjoy from Zupan's is their grab-and-go family size entrees from starting at 19 bucks to feed the whole family things like pot pie, chicken enchiladas, vegetable lasagna, beef lasagna, salmon, alfredo, and more. Zupan's makes it so easy, Chris, when it comes to feeding the family. You know, you mentioned the the uh, Alaskan halibut at the beginning, and I, I think to myself, I've never cooked halibut before. At least I, I don't think I have. But what Zupan's does for you on their website and on your weekly Zupan's news feed, uh, they give you recipes. So right now, with that halibut that's on sale, uh, you can make butter poached halibut with Swiss chard. How about that? That would sound great. I I, um, I love halibut. It's got to be done right, though. Right. You have to know how to do it. You don't want to overcook it. So um, that is good. Also, the uh, one of my favorites this time of year, uh, I was just keyed to realize it when I walked in the store the other day. Uh, the citrus, the heirloom oranges from California are in season and they're big and they're juicy and they're on sale for $1.49 a pound at yeah. Zupans now. Yeah, you can't miss it. When you walk into your local Zupans, you'll see the citrus right there at the front. Also, some great deals on Primal Kitchen avocado oil uh, and never a bad idea to swing by the cheese department of your local Zupans. Uh, they've always got some great deals right now. The Swiss uh, Amontole. I don't know if that's... The, I, I should know how to say this. I speak French. It's Swiss cheese. It's the uh, great Swiss cheese that's only fourteen ninety nine a pound. I think it's I think it's Amontaler. Just pronounce it the way it, it looks. Yeah, I always call it Emmental. We didn't put the ER at the end. That's why well, I was... that so, would make I'm, sense. I'm looking at this. I'm like, what the, what the heck is that ER doing right there? Regardless, yeah. uh, when it comes to cheese, uh, the the uh, like I mentioned, the, the cheese section at your local Zupans is a great place to stop by. Three locations to serve you. You've got the one on McAdam, West Burnside, Lake Oswego, and always wear Chris. I'm looking at it right now, Zupans.com. All right, it's time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. Thank you, Court. You know, every time right before we go live, uh, you say, all right, here we go. And it just, I think I've said this before, it reminds me of Hank Kingsley on my favorite TV show, The Larry Sanders Show. Yeah. So um, it gives me a feeling of warmth to have you say that. And uh, to know that we're going right into this podcast, no one more professional to do the job than you um, with your position at, uh, at Alpha Media there, not only at kink.fm, but the whole country station. There, there, there we go. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Chris. And, and I, I do got to say, I, I, at one point I thought, oh, I need to come up with kind of a catchphrase. To, to launch these episodes, not realizing that I already had. And and now I, I can't really start it any other way because it's just like, all right, that's that's the way I start these bad boys. So it just wouldn't sound right to not do it that way. 
Yeah, no, sometimes you get used to something. By the way, speaking of something we've gotten used to, have you caught uh, any of that just started, the new episodes of Jeopardy with Ken Jennings? I have. I've I've watched, uh, uh, I guess there's been two of them so far. I've watched bits and pieces of both of them. What do you think? I, you know, I actually know Ken. I he he when he won Jeopardy as a the first time as a champion, he was living in Salt Lake City, and so we'd have him come to the radio station a few times. Really nice, gracious guy. It's just he's got such big shoes to fill, um, and he doesn't have that deeper. I don't want to say booming voice because I don't think that Alex Trebek had a booming voice. They just have different. You know, they're kind of on different octaves a little bit. So I'm, I'm getting used to it. Uh, so, I just so far, so good. He- I don't think he missed a beat, right? Yeah. All the, the, the ways he asked the questions and responded to correct and incorrect answers, I think was perfect. And what struck me is in honor of Alex Trebek, he did not try to do anything, any signature move that would stand out. He pretty much called it the way, as best he could, the way Alex Trebek would have called yeah. the game. I only saw the first episode, but I, th- I thought it was really well done. And I know they're going to try some different folks going down the road and it will be what it will be. But I think uh, he had to be nervous. Oh, yeah. Yet. A lot of people watching him, and I just thought he handled it really, really well. I've, I've always said being being the replacement to somebody that's held a position for a long, long time is, is never a position you necessarily want to be in because of the scrutiny that comes in. But uh, I, I think of all the people, Ken Jennings makes the most sense just because he's the, the greatest of all time on that show. So, um. Well, and I, I thought, you know, and Alex would be would have been pleased to see the first episode. Well, he couldn't, but just say, to know how it came off. And as they said at the end of the episode, or was it at the beginning, that they wanted to carry on um, the show uh, to honor Alex. Yeah. So, um, I thought it was great. So we're carrying on. How many years is, you know, we're, I used to watch Jeopardy with uh, Je- uh, Art Fleming. Yeah. With my mom, who could answer any question on the board except for the religious questions. And she just fell on flat on her face. But I've been watching that. So that's the mid-60s. I don't know offhand how many episodes there have been. I don't know how many years, but we're going back at least 55 years or 56 years, something like that. Yeah. With that show. So we've got a long way to go, Court. I'm going to I'm gonna be in my 110s to get to that point. Yeah. Someone will have had to, and both of us will probably be, someone will have had to uh, made a comment on who's taken over right at the fork between now and then. That's true. And I, well, I, I, I've got maybe a, a obvious replacement for me is my... 15-year-old daughter Quinn for a high school project has actually started her own podcast. So she's doing a podcast. So she could be my fill-in at any point. She'd probably be mine too. She should just do it. Yeah, I've taught her the production side of things and it's called Unaccompanied Minors. So we just, we she goes into a room and records stuff and Randy and I have no idea what she's doing. Wow. It's it's been great. That's that's reminiscent of um, when my son was in high school and the Lake Oswego Review let him say whatever he wanted unedited. Oh. And, uh, oh, my God, it was horrifying at times. But you can't find – I think they're pretty tough to find online now. But he was a he was a cynical guy and didn't have a lot of good things to say about the community or the high school. Yeah. So, uh, And I just couldn't believe that they would let it go unedited from a 16-, 17-year-old at the time. But 
Um, so do, when you listen to the episodes, are, are they, do you feel like you want to edit them? Um, there's Randy and I kind of fight it a little bit, this idea of trying to overcoach her. We, I mean, we've given her some tips and stuff, but, um, she's, she's done a pretty good job. She's kind of a natural. So, um, good. but well, she's got a, she's got a great role model. So, uh, fantastic so role models and family businesses. Right. And those we, we're we were honored to catch up with Jeff Latham of Nikki USA um, this yesterday, actually. So that would have been the 12th of January. Um, and he talks about some of the things that his son did to improve the business. I thought it was right after the pandemic. And he points out it was um, serendipitously right before the pandemic started and, and going direct to consumer. Uh, with their meat products. Uh, and Jeff will talk about Nikki right at the top of this podcast and what he has done and how long he's been around and so forth. And of course, someone who is supplying proteins and now more than that, uh, meat, seafood, and some vegetables. He's got, he just sold his first vegan account recently, um, uh, is obviously has been affected by what's going on with COVID and uh, all of his client customers have not been ordering the product that they used to order. So what struck me and one of the reasons that prompted me to contact Jeff and say, hey, I see something positive there. I know it's been tough for you, but he um, was on Facebook talking about finally selling his some of his product to uh, the French Laundry, which I thought was a bright spot for a company to do that one of the most prominent restaurants in the country, if not the world. Um, I've been following Thomas's Keller's uh, Instagram uh, little food classes, and they are some of the best. I really enjoy them. And as a matter of fact, we've enjoyed a few of those recipes here at home, too. So have you been watching a lot of the cooking on, on Instagram or Facebook, wherever, YouTube from some of our chefs? Yeah, no, I think that was one of the uh, great things that came out of, you know, if you want to say, well, great things did come out of the pandemic. And I think that's definitely one of them is we got kind of an inside look into how people spend their lives, maybe how they live and the the cooking classes. Yeah, like uh, Gregory, Gregory Gourdet has done some stuff that I've seen online where he's been cooking some stuff. It's been great. Yeah, and you get to see one of the things not only about, you know, with regard to cooking, you see chefs' kitchens, the people, you know, in their own kitchens at home, and you see what those look like. I find it interesting no matter where you're – we're now brought inside everyone's home, you know, the talking heads on the political channels. It's kind of interesting to see what everybody – how everybody not only wants to present themselves in wardrobe, but also in home decorating as well, where they put their – where they put their webcam. Right. So that they can broadcast. Oh yeah. Well, you know the the one of the other side effects of the pandemic is more people are going in for like uh like uh plastic surgery, Chris, because they're seeing themselves on those webcams and being like, ooh, ooh, boy. Yeah. Well, the first thing to do, and I did this, was I got a uh, I got a new webcam that uh, fixed atop my monitor on my desktop because I was just using my Chromebook and that speak that that uh, camera was a lot lower. So I look a little bit thinner on the new webcam than I did before. And that's a lot easier than than running or a diet just to make a quick change right off the bat. 
We look great, Chris. And every time I do see you on a webcam, we're not looking at each other today. You know, yeah, you, no. look, you look fantastic. Oh, no, no. I, I wasn't trying to prompt that at all, but I did. It did make a difference when I put that new camera up there. I was not quite, I wasn't cringing quite as much. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. So, it, you, go, you go high with the webcam and angle it down, and, and it, it works wonders. It's pretty great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, thankfully, this is not a video cast or uh, that we are a podcast. And I, I can't say that about you, but I think I play better on a podcast than I would on video, although I'm getting used to it. So, sure. Yeah. At any rate, that's. Uh, that's a little bit of a tangent. It was great to catch up with Jeff. Um, he's a great guy. You know, he had to cancel a while about game last year. And I realized that during the, our interview, when I refer to wild about game, um, I incorrectly, uh, kept it in the past tense because it really needs to be in the present tense. It's coming back. So I don't, I didn't mean to imply that it was in the past only, but at this point in time, it's been in the past and will come back. So his event, uh, Wild About Game is one of the things that brings everyone together and it's a lot of fun. And, um, and Jeff points out in this podcast that he's got uh, some ideas coming out of this on how to do some more fun things too. So that's one of the bright spots. Um, but uh, in the meanwhile, you know, Jeff has been working so hard, he hasn't really had time to devote to his usual sports fanaticism and some of the other things in life. And he's got a, uh, he's, sadly, he's got a, a sick dog right now. And we talk about that because we both have animals that are near and dear to us. And we're going through similar things, not exactly, but, um, but we catch up with him on that as well. So Jeff is one of my favorite people. I miss running into Jeff and his wife, Melody at many events that we haven't had to do for 10 months. We haven't been able to do for 10 months. So hopefully that'll, um, that'll be soon. But in the meantime, this podcast suffices. And we need to point out as well that if you want to hear some former uh, podcasts, especially number 32, where Jeff really goes into the background of the company and how the idea gelled and where it went, that's episode 32. Um, you just go to writeatthefork.com and press in Jeff Latham 32. Jeff is G-E-O-F-F. -F. And also we had him on more recently, episode 216. That's right. I, I like to say, think of Jeff as G-Off when you're going to spell it. There you go. And knock it so, out of the park. Here we go. G-Off and me yesterday. And uh, hope this will live on for a while. Right at the Fork is supported by Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for the food and wine lovers of Portland and beyond for over 40 years. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego or Zupan's.com. Ringside Steakhouse. It's time again to slice into the best steaks and service available in Portland. Seating is now available by reservation only for indoor and outdoor dining at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out the newly opened New England-style fish and ship spot with a Northwest personality, Rock Paper Fish, a partnership between the Peterson family and Portland icon Micah Camden in the old Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside for takeout only. 
and by Portland Food Adventures, Cabin Fever, book a fantastic culinary vacation in 2021 with podcast host Chris Angeles. Experience the best of Basque Country with Javier Canteras of Urdaneta or Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Austria Enzyme. Whet your appetite and get more information at portlandfoodadventures.com or contact Red at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more details. I appreciate you doing this. The challenge to this podcast has been we've been, you know, we we had two months or three months worth of tragic stories that we were telling. And then at some point I said, this is this is the same people know what to expect. And so we've been trying to stay as positive as possible, finding some, you know, some seedlings or some things that are flowering out of tough times. And I know you had posted something the other day, which I thought was great, uh, in the midst of a lot of tough times for you that you generated uh, the French Laundry as a client. So um, that was positive to see. So I wanted to talk to you about as many positive things as you can glean, given that you're Nikki, you know, you're Nikki and you supply a lot of restaurants. (laughs) <laughs> so your your market has dwindled, and we'll come back at some point. Mm-hmm. Can you just recap again? We have other episodes, but we can't assume that people are going to go back. Can you just recap for folks what what your company is all about? How you a little bit of the quick history, and uh, you know how you got to 2020, and then we'll go from 2020 on. All right, man. Well, I'm Jeff. I own Nikki USA. Uh, family-run business in the Central East Side Industrial District. Um, started selling rabbits out of my hatchback in 1990. Um, great chef came, a bunch of people came to town in 1994 uh, to help influence the food scene in Portland. And my mentor, Philippe Below, was at the Heathman, took me under his wing, said, Jeff, everybody can sell a box of meat, but you've got to sell a story. And that's what I began to do and work with him and he basically turned me on to a world of the best food that you could find. And it's been the foundation of a 30-year career. And we're still good friends today. We still hunt together. We still have some events together. Well, one the only game dinner I had in, in pandemic was at the Mac Club. And that's the only indoor dinner I've had, sadly, since, since Corona hit. But bottom line is uh, we kept adding things. We built the USDA cutting room 18 years ago here inside this building. Um, And we added a warehouse up in Seattle about seven years ago. Um, And we do a lot of business, you know, about 38% of our business is in Seattle. And the rest is here in Portland. And, you know, we ship to Hawaii, we ship to Alaska. We ship, do ship around the country to people for, you know, with our direct-to-consumer program and to resorts and, and restaurants. Um, we're pretty much a, you know, we were all meat to begin with, but the pandemic also brought seafood to Nikki from the Oregon Washington coast, uh, foraged goods from the wild. Um, we do some business with Cascade Organics and some other people to help make sure we've got a full offering um and uh we sold our one thing i like to tell people we sold our first vegan restaurant during the pandemic 
And, what did you uh, sell them, or did or did they just say fuck it and let's let's go meet? <laughs> <laughs> no, they they said uh, we love your mushrooms, uh, so they buy our my talking mushrooms. And uh, um, uh, anyway, it just definitely uh, come full circle. And um, you know, we've always been a company that likes to educate people, and that's why we had our signature. You know program for 20 years uh until last year we had to cancel our 20th year for wild about game which is a celebration of what is great about food from the northwest and, and so what's great about the northwest too that was always yeah. something up at around mount hood where you joined seattle and portland people in a friendly chef competition showcasing your product and in typical uh Oregon fashion, showcasing a lot of other products that had really nothing to do with Nikki, but that were local products that people could source. So, um, but at any rate, so it's been a tough year for you. We know that, right? Yeah. Yep. The worst of my career, that's for sure. So when, when do we start? <laughs> we already started. We have, huh? Yeah. Do you, do you want to restart? Do you want to do the whole thing and then restart? And, um... No, we're good. We're good. Mm -hmm. No, this obviously this year was a massive wake up call that I, uh, <clears throat> you know, before March 15th, the crazy thing, Chris, is I was sitting there driving to work one day by Rose City Golf Course and the sun was out and I was just like, man, everything's going so good. This is life is good. Nothing can knock us out of this is what I was thinking. And um, who would have thought the pandemic would show up? And uh, the plague has wreaked havoc. But there are a lot of bright spots that uh, we try to grab onto when things are dark. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've been very, very blessed with some good things that um, – have been inspiring and make it really exciting for when we come out on the other side to be a much leaner uh, machine and team of dedicated people here. So, you know, it's, I'm a glass half full for the rest of, you know, for my whole life. And uh, even in the darkest hours, this there's things that we can find that we've created that we wouldn't have thought of creating before the pandemic. So, and I'm, right. well, I'm definitely excited. Two thoughts on what you said. First is, uh, you know, having lived uh, a decent uh, life, you know, I have some longevity at this point, some experience. Just when you start thinking that things are good, that's when you get the text or you get the call or something happens. Uh, but not always, because I have so much appreciation. And if that happened every time I was appreciating the moment, it would not be good. So <laughs> lots of appreciation. But secondly, those things that in the moment seem the most tragic and that they're going to be almost insurmountable and that they're going to change your life. In my life, those are the things that changed it for the better over time. You can't see it right away. You don't always see it right away. But looking back, you think, wow, if those things hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. But you got to go through it. You got to get through that. And you know, I suppose, Jeff, one of the um, real positives for you is you mentioned your team. You've got an incredible family supporting you, and, and they have you supporting them. 
And so, um, you know, you start, you realize those positive things going through something like this. And then you've got all your friends in the industry and, oh my God, you know, your heart breaks for so many of them. Um, yeah, there's so many different aspects to it that are causes for appreciation. So, um, and I know you do. So mm-hmm. you just mentioned it. So, um, what are, so you have had to increase your direct-to-consumer business quite a bit in order to stay in business, right? Yeah. That's, that's one of the positives. And you'll have that when your restaurants come back, you'll then have another arm of your business that you may not have otherwise had. Yeah, that, that's really the, one of the you know, definitely top few things to come out of this is that the diversity, you know, um, as I think I've told you before, you know, when we went into this, we were 85% restaurant and, uh, you know, I never saw the restaurant industry get in rock like it, you know, like it has, and no, none of us did, but, um, the direct to consumer program that my son started with the doc sales, you know, virtually a year and a half ago before the pandemic hit was a doc sale. And we started generating a way to get our company healthier by turning some inventories that normally would sit around for a while to turning it into cash and making your company more healthy by doing that. And the last one we had before the pandemic, we had 100 people waiting in line uh, for our two-hour dock sale and sold $10,000 in two hours off the dock. And Oh, this was before the pandemic you had this started. Yeah, yeah. And... So my son, I'm just want to show the pre-pandemic and how it was able to thrust us into direct-to-consumer sales, um, which have been very successful. Um, we were fortunate that our company was not just a company that sold a box of meat. We gathered a lot of friends with Wild About Game. People from Wild About Game spread the word to their friends that this, we were a family business that, um, you know, our back was against the wall when things happened. And fortunately, my son is smart enough to put together the web portal. And to this day, we're constantly updating it and, and we'll be upgrading it even more um, as we go along because, you know, direct-to-consumer will stay a vital part of our business. And, uh, you know, that's one of the many things that have come out of COVID that will not go after COVID goes away. Um, it's definitely a new model. Something that, that was difficult for me over my 30 years was frozen inventory and how to move it before it loses its value. And uh, we have perfect, my son and my team have really perfected the best we've ever done in 30 years with turning inventory out of necessity. And uh, I think when we come out of this, we've got a much better model than I built for the first 30 years. So I, uh, I'm very confident, but it's, it's definitely a uphill battle along the way. And, uh, we got to fight every day to come up with new, new things like direct to consumer. Hey, Chris, let's pause here a moment to talk about one of our favorite places in Portland to eat ringside steakhouse. 
right there on West Burnside. Uh, while they not, may not be offering the in-restaurant dining because of the current regulations that keep changing, they are offering a smoked baby back pork rib meal kit for two, which includes ringside seasoning salt, chopped Caesar salad, red potato salad, truffle mac and cheese, and some oatmeal chocolate chip cookies as well. So that is uh, all they're ordering this week. That's for pickup January 9th from 12 to 2. They usually have their takeout and that will begin. Uh, they're not doing that up until January 12th and they'll begin after that. So you go online at uh, ringsidesteakhouse.com and see what takeout food they have for you uh, after that. And then hopefully in due time, you'll be able to make reservations to dine in the beautiful restaurant, which has been updated to pandemic standards and looks beautiful as a result with all the plexiglass between the booths. And of course, uh, lots of expensive ventilation that's gone into uh, the restaurant and train staff and employees to make your visit once you can go back in as comfortable as possible. Mm -hmm. So there's really no reason for you to not eat delicious food, first of all, but also uh, continue to support a Portland institution with Ringside Steakhouse. Uh, you can get all the information that Chris just mentioned on their website, ringsidesteakhouse.com. So how long ago did you start selling in Seattle? I actually, about, it was about 20 years ago oh, so it's been a while you've been growing that yeah we did we did about 15 years maybe it was uh it was the late 90s that i started driving the truck myself and i'd have i'd go up there one day a week and drop off to restaurants and then we started going two days a week and drop off to restaurants and in the end when we hit about 60 drops and a guy had to drive up there to do it and we realized that there's just no humanly way possible, especially with new requirements on drive time and stuff. We had to send somebody up there. And I sent a, I sent my my Marines up, my Marine up there, Ben Childs, who was my uh, operations manager for and and good right hand guy for about ten years. He wanted to move up there, and he started the sales office. And then that that was like seven years ago, and then. Five years ago, we got a warehouse, and then, uh, and then, uh, ironically, we'd been working on moving for two years to a bigger location. We found the ideal location right when COVID hit. So, fortunately, we've got a great land. We moved into a new building during COVID. We haven't really announced it much, but it's oh, ten times the capacity. When unfortunately, the market is you know change but we have a good a good lease with the landlord that we believe when we come out of COVID it's really going to be beneficial to us and our clients um in a great location just south of Safeco Field so uh, anyway it's, it's was that a silver lining were you able to negotiate a better lease than you might have had it not been 2020 I can say that my uh, the my landlord is a very good ally of ours in the industry and they treated us very well so yeah. uh they want to see a family another family business survive this and so they have they're a good client and a good vendor of mine so it's a really good synergy with them and uh you know we've been very uh fortunate 
So yeah, no, um, it's uh, not only that, but our warehouse here in Portland, we had re basically we took over another 10,000 square feet upstairs in this building that I've been in since 92. And our landlord gave us an incredible lease for the next 15 years with an option to buy the building someday when uh, conditions change a little bit. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be able to do that. But uh, if I'd have chased the moves that I tried to do the last five years here to bigger buildings in Portland, could have been catastrophic when COVID hit. So uh, didn't have to take that extra debt on to move. Got mm -hmm. to stay where we're at. We got to remodel our packing plant here. You know, basically just before COVID hit, we'd remodeled things here. So we're, we're you know, we're prepared to come out of COVID in the best position we've ever been in. Um, lean, uh, much more accountable on each department of my business. Um, you know, when COVID hits you, you've got to start number crunching. You know, it's not like when sales are growing and the phone's ringing all the time and clients are happy and business is really good. It's easy to forget the pennies on the table and you can't now. Um, you know, I hate to say that, but there was just busy, busy, busy for a lot of years and uh, COVID made us reassess things. Uh, and it will really help us as we come out, uh, you know, probably by June, you know, May, June, I'm hoping that we'll see a lot of people, uh, opening back up and, and, uh, some good activity and hopefully there'll come a point where people are traveling again and our, you know, the hospitality of the hotels, um, are able to open back up. That's a key part, especially to help revive downtown, which has taken such a huge hit. Um, but, uh, and I know, you know, I've seen you in on quite a few of the posts that have to do with vandalism and the terrible situation regarding homelessness in Portland and what's happening because of that. Uh, it's really had a huge impact on not only the businesses themselves, but the travel industry, everything. And it's, we're really hopeful that Little by little, things will be changed in a positive direction to stop the nonsense. It's crazy. Yeah, I I will try to refrain from saying too much about that, Chris. I yeah, I understand. I have an encampment across my street, and you know it makes you really frustrated when somebody can build a fire and burn the side of a building, and no no consequences whatsoever. The building. The backside of Office Depot's got this massive burn that somebody did last week, two weekends ago. But luckily, that part of the encampment was cleaned up, but they left, you know, 20 other people on the block. Um, you know, but fortunately, I try, we try to be friendly with them so they don't vandalize uh, us. Um, knock on wood, we, when we do staff meals, we always have extra. We feed the people on the street. We try to have some, you know, compassion and empathy for where they're at. But I think we need to, as a city, um, come together with some better program so that it doesn't scare people away. We already, you know, went through some horrendous times and we just need to do the right thing and help, help clean up our city, help bring back business and, uh, 
you know, and people will return, but they're not going to, the, the size of the camps now and the, the view that you see when you drive is um, disheartening after all these years we spent building up a wonderful, vibrant food community in this city and uh and travelers you need travelers to have a good you know to take it to the next level and let's just hope that uh something good comes out something else good comes out of the pandemic so that we have a place for these people to go and get themselves rehabbed or back on their feet through programs but they you know i'm not for allowing anybody to throw up camp on in front of my you know in front of my building yeah, makes so, sense. Uh, do, you, do you foresee um, any changes with the current administration, or do you, are you hopeful? I'm, I, I don't mean the the federal administration, yeah. the local administration. I all I know is they're banging me for an extra half a percent, and I haven't seen one thing happen. Uh, you know, unless you talk about buildings at the in the parking lot there um, uh, just north of the, of the uh, Belmont bridge. Yeah. North of Belmont. Yeah. Or the Hawthorne bridge. I mean, um, down there on second or on water Avenue. Mm -hmm. Other than that, there's, they're just, we paid for it to be cleaned up and then it gets messy and we pay for it to get cleaned up, but we, we don't have a plan yet. We don't have something that I'm hearing about. But that doesn't mean that it couldn't come together. Um, I know, I would hope that our, I know our mayor's in a really tough position trying to keep everybody happy. So I don't envy his job, that's for sure. Because no matter what he does, somebody's pissed off. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's fair, but it's it's where we're at right now. Um, but hopefully something will come where they realize you just can't, can't allow it to be indefinite. We have to find some system to help people get off the street and require them to get off the street. It, it's 30 years have been working in this city and it's never been like this where it's acceptable. So I would rather find, let's find some silver lining uh, in this topic. <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah, no, well, I, I assume that, well, let's hope that we're learning that, that, the government is learning things as they go and we'll have some plan and maybe some help federally, right? A little more empathy federally instead of sending in agents to, uh, <laughs> to battle the people who, anyway, I, I, neither of us want to get into a political discussion on this, but, um, you know, you've had, in addition to that, it's been a challenging year for me, for you, not only from your business standpoint, but also, um, you know, you're someone who likes to, you mentioned before, you haven't been out to eat at events. We haven't seen each other for a while because we would always run into each other at least every couple of months uh, at some food event. On top of it, you're a big beaver fan. You know, th that's kind of been tempered for you, you know, your sports fanaticism. You haven't been able to do much with that. Um, it's been a, just a, a let's wait and see year. And have you been able to do any reflection um, that has caused you to think, uh, you know, we talked a, bit, a little bit about your business and how that's going to, how you're better positioned coming out. But personally, have you been able to spend more quality time with your family? I want to talk a little bit about Tasha. 
Um, and my dog Oakley, I think we have something in common. We're we're hitting the end ends of life with our dear dear um, dogs. And um, you know, I feel I felt fortunate. I have been able to travel and do my business, but I've been able to be here with Oakley every single day this year for uh, for the last nine months, which I would not have been able to do. So <laughs> there are some there are some positives that cause you to stand back a little stand back a little bit and. Um, think about what's important. Well, I, I would say that um, there have been some good times, but it's, it's not, it's been, uh, it's been all out warfare for us since pandemic hit, uh, you know, um, there isn't a day that doesn't go by that we're not thinking about our business and trying to figure out the next rock to turn over you know, are we going to find, you know, another yacht to sell something, you know, before pandemic, we never sold yachts. Now we're selling yachts. We, we are, are we going to find a government grant? What do you mean you're selling yachts? There's some big boats out there that like to buy meat. Okay. And I never had that part of the business. Oh, and, you're so, okay. Well, good. I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> I, I thought you were becoming a yacht broker. Oh, you know what? I should have clarified. <laughs> I know. No, I got you there. It's it's Seattle uh, has been you know in the middle of the pandemic we get a we get a message from a yacht in Costa Rica that's on its way to Seattle and they heard that we have great meat and they'd love to place a fifteen thousand dollar order with us and you know and I got another one going to that same yacht that's back from Alaska that's getting ready to head back to Costa Rica and anyway yachts government grant programs that we never knew about before that mm-hmm. the federal government is giving, you know, we do a lot of work now with a, uh, a grant with uh, the wave Northwest that's, um, you know, basically providing some great meal boxes to the native American tribes of the Northwest. Um, that's been a good program. We've got some other grants that we've uh, are working on for other institutional um programs that we've never gone after before, just all kinds of, you know, anyway, they're just, we're, we're fighting to come up with new things that are not my favorite restaurant, you know, because they're so, you know, so many of them have uh, been impacted. Um, And uh, so, you know, another good thing that we've, that we've, you know, this, our Maui Nui venison that we, had been working on for six years is now going to go really big guns. And we've got a new broth program we're launching here in the next, it's a venison broth. that has got the most protein in it of any broth on the market. We've got a new venison jerky program launching. This is, so there's all kinds of things we're trying to come up with that will help increase our sales that are non restaurant sales. Mm-hmm. And those things are all, you know, our retail businesses, is booming and we just got to keep coming up with unique items that will help keep us climbing back to where we were before. Well, you'll climb back and then hopefully everything else will sort of kick in and it'll take a year or two to get back to where it was, but you'll be that much stronger. And you're making me realize you should have a dog program. I need protein for Oakley. And you're mentioning broth that has more protein in it. I can get him. I might be able to get that into him. But unfortunately, it changes like every other day. What works one day isn't working the next. And 
The most frustrating thing, Jeff, is watching my sweet, sweet Oakley, whom I've been with for over 16 years, self-employed for 16 years, and just watching him walk up to bacon and just sniffing it and walking away. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, I'm kind of changing the subject, but you've got a lot. I, you and I need to chat because you probably have a lot of products that I could tr- switch up and uh, try to get him eating. Steak isn't working all of a sudden. It was for a while. So maybe, maybe you can advise me a little bit on that. So, and you've been going through some really tough times with, uh, with your dog too. If you don't care to talk about it, I understand. Um, but. Well, I told you I would. Um, yeah. The day before Christmas Eve, after the worst year of my career, I get a call from my wife in tears and our daughter, our Rottweiler, 95 pound Rottweiler that sleeps in our bed every night, um, came down with a cancerous tumor on her shoulder. And uh, it's a process of, of, uh, of blindsided. Not only were, was it another's dagger to your heart in a year that you saw so many of your friends and people in distress and fires and, you know, (laughs) almost anything you can think of that could go wrong in our industry seems to have, then have that happen. Um, But fortunately we're, we've, we've committed to a, um, she's going to get some radiation next week. We caught it early and we're giving her, some bone strengthener up um, series every month starting next week. And we should get another year out of her. Um, you know, it's sad because they say once she gets her first bone uh, strengthener a treatment that she, I could be able to walk her again around the block. But right now she's just on a lot of meds and doing very, or we just don't want her to break her arm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to walk together for we were just really starting to help because covid you know obviously covid when you're working and you're stressed out it did put the covid 19 on me and i already probably didn't need another 19 so we were walking and just having a lot of fun together around the neighborhood and then poof overnight she started limping Mm. and two weeks later we we get the the c word that everybody you know just hates to hear and I'd never had that happen to me before, but once you mention it to people, then come out of the woodwork, just how many animals that get cancer, it's, it's, you know, and then when you try to get a vet, the, the vets are all backed up because they've never seen so many animals with cancer. So for me, it just, uh, um, we've been very lucky. She's been a great daughter and she'll be a part of our family as long as, you know, her arm, you know, uh, but they told us once her aren't once someday it will break. And the best thing you'll have to do is put her, put her to sleep that day. Mm. How so, old is she again? She's, she's only seven. Coming. She's seven and a half. Oh, you know, okay. my, la- my last mm, Rottweiler lasted for 12 years for me. I got her when she was two and this one we got as a puppy. Yeah, so She's so close to my kids and Garrick's best, but you know, whatnot. I mean, one of his best buddies and, He's always walking her with gals he'll meet and stuff. And anyway, it's just, it's, and she's, and she's Melody's pacifier. 
Melody right. does so much work from home because uh, she's massive amount of book work. And Tasha's always bumping you on the side of the leg with her head going, come on, give me a scratch. Give me a, you know, stroke my ears a little bit and give me some love. And, and she's got eyes that make you, you know, want to melt. Everybody's dog does, but I... Yeah, I no. This one, so I know. I even have a uh, so because Oakley was nudging me on the uh, thigh um, for my whole life just to say I love you. There's a little. That's the only tattoo I have and probably will ever get. There's a little tattoo of his nose right on my thigh uh-huh. because <laughs> I wanted to remember him uh, doing that. So, have you thought of getting another dog? Because I'm in the process of doing some writing about the the process of having an older dog mentor and and provide an example for a younger dog i can't advocate for it enough and i was someone who didn't want actually i'll tell you the truth i didn't want either dog to begin with i love dogs but i'd gone through what you're going through with tasha back in you know way a long time ago and it kept me from wanting to get a dog for a long time that pain but then I was so happy with Oakley for so many years. Everybody would say he needs a companion. I'm like, no, I'm the alpha. It's all good. He doesn't seem like he's missing anybody. But I have to tell you, his teaching Kodak just by osmosis to be a good dog, to be still in the car, to, you know, now I have a little piece of property he can walk around on. I come in and close the door and he sniffs around for 10 minutes and he goes and waits at the front door. I don't think he would have done that had he not had Oakley to show him, pave the way to show how to be a real cool, low key dog. Cause of course as a puppy, he wasn't low key to start. So um, have you thought about that? Yeah, we, with Tasha, we were fortunate. We had another one, um, Sunny girl, and she was a yellow lab that was wonderful that was able to help Tasha, but I worry about Tasha's condition and a puppy. I, I really, cause Tasha wants to be a puppy. Right. Tasha wants to run. She wants Tasha's buddies, our cat. Okay. And they race around the house and we've got to stop now. She can't. But right. And so I'm worried with Tasha, this bone right here, as long as I end on her, on her left arm, as long as we can keep her from, running yeah or jumping uh we might get more months and i value every month and i but we are already talking that we're definitely you know we might even get two dogs next time around um Mm -hmm. and definitely probably another rottweiler um and but if i do a second dog it would be something that uh, a wonderful dog that would help um duck hunt at the farm and Mm -hmm. uh we're especially this year with all the water we have out at the farm. There's <laughs> <laughs> an opportunity for you. Yeah. But, but anyway, no, I, I can agree with you, but I, and with Tasha's condition, she might be more prone to hurt herself on accident. So I'm, I'm really, we're all really leery about that, but we, yeah. we agreed immediately that we will not be a house, a, do- a house without a dog. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't stand the idea. So, now, mm-hmm. uh, but but it's get it's. I'll tell you, it's also there's something sort of gratifying nurturing Oakley along. I've never had to do that, so um, it's been 
it's not pleasant all the time, but there's some there's some positive positives to it. So on to another topic, and you know we can we can talk about food and so forth. And I do want to before we end, I want to come back to some of the things that you are looking forward to. For instance, I think we're all looking forward to Gregory Gorday's con. PDX, I've been to his one of his dinners outside. That mm -hmm. was fantastic. Um, but also just I, I would be remiss. I'd probably if we ended this podcast without my asking you, um, I'd probably regret it. But, you know, you're you got to be a Michael Conforto fan. And uh, you have to have been watching him with the Mets over the past few years. Are you a Met? Are you a New York Mets fan at all? And are you as excited as I am as to what's going on with them now? I, I'm a Mets fan. I am not as, I'm, I'm not as dialed into everything that's going on as I used to be um, in sports. Um, COVID has taken me just, just, you know, I used to be really involved in my rugby alumni board that, you know, I'm used to be really involved in Oregon State Athletic. I mean, all that stuff has had to take a backseat to survival and, uh, I do know that it will come back and it will be a great part of my life. I'm hoping baseball season at Oregon state will be the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, but for the Mets and Michael Conforto, I get a text every day that when uh, he hits a home run from my wife, Melody and you know, well, you don't know this, but her dad, when I met her kept stats of the New York Yankees for like 30, 40 years. Mm. every freaking game. And I was not a baseball fan back then. Mm -hmm. And because I'm married to a lady who is a diehard Yankees fan because of her dad, um, even, I yeah, long story short, she likes the Mets for Conforto, but she bleeds Yankees. Yeah, and, well, uh, it's hard to, to, to make that change. <laughs> But I just thought, you know, I figured he's been one of the bright spots of Mets fans' fortunes over the past few years. And, you know, he's probably – is he one of the best players to come out of Oregon State in the last 10 years? Yes. Yes. He's been one of the most successful uh, major leaguers. We've got some, several more uh, behind him that are coming up um, with uh, uh, Nick Madrigal and Trevor Larnich and – you know, some other guys, um, but Conforto was the bomb. He's the one that, you know, ironically, he didn't, he didn't win a national championship at Oregon state, mm. but he, he made us real relevant and we just couldn't get her done in his years there. But, but uh, anyway, it's, it's somebody that he, I think he's got a long career, uh, you know, hard, been a hard working kid and now he's not a kid anymore but um definitely something beaver fans could be proud of and mets fans could be proud of i have the good for i had the good fortune uh i guess it will reveal my age but back in um 80 81 i lived a block away from uh wildcat field i think mm -hmm. that's what it was called 
but I was able to go to every single uh, game when Terry Francona was in center field. Mm. And he hit four, I think he hit four something that year. I'm not going to venture a guess as to what the actual digits were. Uh, and they won the national championship in 1980. So it was incredible to watch that. But here I am in 2021, and he's still in the major leagues making a huge impact. So it's been, it's been kind of fun following Terry Francona's career since then and knowing, you know, we're the same age and he's, he's accomplished just a little bit more than I have, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's a good history with your team, man. I, yeah. So I, I've I, had, that was one of the positives to the Arizona experience. So, um, that's been cool. So what are you looking forward to uh, food-wise? Are there any things? Are you able to take the time to go, I'm looking forward to this opening or this revamped restaurant? Um, is there anything positive, uh, specifically in Portland, that you can put your finger on that you're looking forward to? Well, you know, obviously Gregory, you know, has done a fantastic job where he's at now. Gregory uh, Gorday. Yeah, Gregory Gorday. Um, I'm I can I'm just looking forward to a lot of people getting back in the game. You know, there's we had 20 some restaurants that had to just put a pause on being open between Portland and Seattle that are great restaurants. They just knew January was gonna be another abyss to get through. And mm -hmm. so rather than lose money, they closed. And you know. And so I am, you know, and, and the other thing is, is that we've always had such a wonderful, in both Portland and Seattle, wonderful hotel restaurants that if you'd have told me ever that all but just a handful in both cities would, would close their restaurants for 10 months to 12 months, I'd say you're crazy, that there's no way that that could happen. But of course, COVID is the gift that keeps giving, and uh, we are still no 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 date or timeline. But you know, by May, these hotels are going to find a way to get open back up, and people are going to want. You know, once we get enough people vaccinated, we're going to want to travel, and we're going to want the things back that have been taken away from us. And I believe we will have roaring 20s of some kind, of all kinds, whether it be food, outdoor experiences, state parks that have been closed, all these different things that have been taken away from us. I think we're, as a society, we're going to be really, hopefully more appreciative mm -hmm. of what we had before. Oh, my God. I can't wait to sit in a restaurant. <laughs> right. Relax. Order a drink that I order on a whim, like the spur of the moment. I'll have that. That looks good. And same thing on a menu. I listen and I don't, you know, living where I live, I don't get to enjoy a lot of the takeout opportunities in Portland. I do some. Um, but I, I, one of the things I've realized that I just probably one takes for granted, right? You never think you're going to take this for granted, but it's just being able to look at a menu and say, Hey, we'll have that. That looks good. Let's share that. You can't do that. Now you have to order a day in advance and think this is what I'm going to want tomorrow. And uh, it's not the same experience. Yeah, and something about ordering through some app that you're <laughs> forced to order through. I, 
you know, my wife does 99% of the food ordering for us. Mm-hmm. The 1% of the time I try to throw some business to somebody that I really appreciate or really want to support. And I got to oh, make sure. Anyway, I, I get frustrated with it that everybody's got to get a cut. And it it's like, I wish we could, all the money could go right to the restaurant tour. Um, but it is what it is. It's something that's, you know, keeping some people very successful now because their model was built for it. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, that just didn't have the right space or something are being, you know, crippled because of, uh, you know, the takeout, you know, option not being available to them. You so. know, I remember back when this all started, there was a big push for people to recognize that the the apps and the third party services stay away from them so the restaurants can 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 uh, enjoy as much profit as humanly possible. And slowly but surely, I haven't discussed this with anybody. Now I'm seeing them encourage them. Like, don't forget to order us through DoorDash or whatever. And all of a sudden, I'm confused. Why all of a sudden are you encouraging it? Maybe I'm, I assume they're encouraging it because they realize if they don't, they got nothing. Right? I don't know, man. I, I, I worry a little bit about this. And I don't want to go too far into it. But, I mean, just recently, I, I went to somebody who I really likes a restaurant had to go through the dance. I mean, you're standing outside, but you can't place an order. You're in, in the restaurant, but they tell you to go outside and do the door dash. And, uh, but I ended up doing it while I was standing there. And I said, so she said, Oh, it'll be 15 or 20 minutes. And I said, so can you text me? I'm just sitting in my truck outside. She says, no, we can't do that. Uh, I'm like, what? They're, pandemic shouldn't take away all of the customer service right. that we had before that was part of the 20% we're tipping you to go right. through DoorDash. You know, I, I was real disappointed and it just made me go, we hopefully people, this is not permanent. You, you've got to continue to understand what customer service is, even if we are in, in the pandemic or just, let's just do away with that 20% tip. You know, uh, yeah. Or does that does that app preclude you from saying, okay, Jeff, or they may or may not have known you, but someone in the restaurant knew who you were. What's your phone number? I'll just text you off the record, off the app. Just you know, because it is winter, and nobody wants to sit in their car and go, okay, it's been fifteen minutes. Let me go walk up and knock on the door to see if it's ready. I mean, that's insane. So it was pouring down rain. She could see my car. She said that it was, she was going to be too busy. There were two people came to the restaurant and I'm not going to bang on it because I love, I know everybody's fighting, but that was my only disappointing experience uh, or just add on to this DoorDash thing when you can't, if you're standing there talking to somebody, why can't you take a freaking order? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, go to your truck fill it out and then <laughs> and then we won't bother to you know we used to be able to call text or just step out and go come get your takeout yeah that that's something that's simple that too much to ask right oh uh, anyway and but I, I think you know one of the things is that they uh i think we have a generation oh man i'm gonna get in trouble here <laughs> but but if you can't click Right. If it doesn't work according to the prescribed app, 
that people have trouble thinking outside the box that is their phone, right? So I, so I mean, listening to you tell that story, what I would be thinking is, can't you pick up the, it, couldn't the app have some functionality to it so that you could pick up your phone, I could read you what I want, you, input, you could input my phone number, my account, and you input it all. But I guess it didn't come to mind. I found myself holding back, too. It's the same thing. You have to be sympathetic to where things are right now and that they're trying as hard as they can. And any criticism is probably just hold it for another year or two. Yeah. <laughs> then maybe. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a little frustrating. On the other hand, everything. This has been a year of... I, I guess we can call it sacrifice, but a year of disappointments, of constant, this isn't working the way I want it to work, or this isn't going to happen the way I want it to happen. Um, I had some friends who wanted to come over this weekend, and I started thinking about how many, you know, the, a few friends, that they, where they had been. And no, sorry, I can't do it. So um, I was really bummed out. Great friend who's hosted me a million times. And it's like, now I just, right now we're redoubling our efforts to be careful because of the spiking and God, we've gone this long without it. I don't want to get it now. So yeah. I think a lot, of, I hope a lot of people are feeling that way, but um, at any rate. All right. So uh, when am I going to get to go hunting with you and Philippe? <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. He call. It's mostly him inviting me. It's been pretty. I've been pretty lucky there. But I'm hoping my son's been doing a lot of hunting at our farm, and mm -hmm. we're going to set it up the best we ever have for this coming season. We're just wrapping up goose season in the next few weeks, and then it'll be next fall. But I think he's he got his first goose a couple weeks ago. And and immediately skinned it and and put it in the new smoker we got him for Christmas and mm. the jerky made smoked goose breast and he's trying to be uh, sustain himself off the land out at the farm you know hunting some rabbits hunting some ducks hunting some geese uh, fishing uh, I'm really proud of him so next fall maybe we can uh, have you and Fleet down to the farm and. Uh, That's well, I asked because Felipe, yeah, I, I've had the good fortune of becoming friendly with him over the past couple of years since we did a trip to Southern Oregon, uh, courtesy of Feast, together. So I got to know him pretty well, and he's been so gracious in inviting me to the Mac Club, which I normally wouldn't be able to go to, right? So, and uh, I have never hunted. So the fact that you mentioned that, and it's two people I really adore, um, that would be kind mm -hmm. of fun to go out and... Uh, just you'd have to make sure I don't pull a Dick Cheney on you guys. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> By mistake. Well, well, there's always the option. And I think we're going to try to do something this summer at the farm of a skeet shooting with people mm. again, like we did when we bought the farm. We had about 30 some chefs out and never shot a gun before. Yeah, and, that's me. You know, and we did a, a, a joint venture with Oregon. Uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife, who did a gun safety class for before we all got to go shoot. Mm -hmm. and we may bring something back similar to that on a smaller scale. Just I'm trying to think of ways as we come out of COVID to recapture the community and the togetherness that we've had before COVID hit us. And uh, I mean, we are thinking about potential barbecues at the farm, bringing in some people from 
that we've been meeting during COVID from around the country that have that enjoy barbecue and other things, uh, maybe bringing them out. So who knows uh, if they're, you know, we're going to have lots of opportunities once this is over. And, and, you know, I can tell you what, I'm not, I'm not hesitating one minute to get a vaccination for me and anybody on my team that wants it as soon as frontline food workers are approved. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I will feel a lot better about interacting with people. And, and I, I've, you know, normally I'm not a, I'm a very, very people person, but because we're in a food industry that has been rocked by COVID outbreaks, I have to set a better example at my company. And uh, we, we've been really cautious of who we expose ourselves to. And uh, so fortunately, um, you know, my team stayed safe, knock on wood. And uh, we all get vaccination and we can uh, start to get back to the lives that we had before or the type of lifestyle we had before. Well, good. Knowing that you um, have a lot of pent up emotion about food and events and so forth, I think it's uh, once we're out of this, uh, you're going to be a bat out of hell when it comes to food (laughs) events and providing a lot of fun and delicious fun for the community. So looking forward to that. Please say hello to Melody for me. I will. Again, it's been too long since we've all seen each other. Um, I really appreciate your taking the time because I know you're really busy. So thanks so much for taking the time this morning. It's good to see your, uh, your face and your office. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. And I do want to be in touch about some of that, that uh, venison broth. Um, Definitely, so- man. Let's follow up on that. We're going to get our first – I've just gotten samples in, but in the next two weeks we should be getting a big load in because – I think it's going to go really well in stores and my, whoops, and my, my friends will want to be buying it from us. So uh, our dog, Tasha, just friggin' dove into the first samples I got. Like she loves it. And um, anyway, and it's really good for them when you have that much protein and, um, and stuff in the product. So. Good. Uh, I need it. I'll be in touch with that or, or I'll, I'll be texting you about it. I got to find anything I can. So uh, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. You have a good one, too. I will. I'm working on it. Thanks. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 